This is Akafe. Laura Marie and Jessica Marie proudly present A Court of Fandoms and Exploration, a podcast. Fair warning, everything the hosts say is explicit, full of spoilers and adult content and shall not be used against them. They have opinions. Let's try not to drag anyone for expressing themselves and just have fun for an hour. We all deserve it. This episode contains spoilers from The Mortal Instruments and Crescent City 2 House of Sky and Breath. There are also mentions of Euphoria, Inception, Star Wars, and the Dark Knight Races. Conversations surrounding grief are also included. And welcome to A Court of Fandoms and Exploration, your weekly deep dive into the YA literature and fandoms that we love. I'm Laura Marie. And I'm Jessica Marie. And today we are discussing Our Violent Ends by Chloe Gong. This is the second one in a duology. And we finished this. We read the first one and then went immediately into this one. It is all very uh, fresh, as fresh as it can be. So, Jess, how are we feeling? What is uh, going on here? I think it's important to note, and we'll put it in the show notes also, that I think it's important that you start the second book immediately after the first book. Because even through um, Chloe Gong, she had an interview, I think, with BuzzFeed, um, where you were talking about how it was originally just one giant manuscript and they kind of just chopped it and you're like, okay, we're ending here. So, and it helped with her, like her editor was like, you don't have to eliminate anything that way. And it works out. And I think there's something to be said about duologies because everybody's used to either like a trilogy or a series and you don't realize that you can get just as much out of a duology. And in this case, it kind of feels like it mirrored the first book in some ways Um, which is something that you kind of appreciated the self-awareness to it, too. Yeah, okay. So I will come out and say, as I do sometimes, that I did not love this book. I didn't, it's not, I'm not saying that I hated this book. That is not what I'm saying at all. I don't love this book, run away, praise this book for like my favorite thing. Okay, it's really good. I'm saying that. But My favorite thing about this book, though, is that Chloe, the author, was very self-aware. And when Roma and Juliet are in that little town after following the the address on the flyer that they found, Juliet and Roma kind of look at each other and are just like, well, this is literally the same thing that we did before. (laughs) We are repeating Everything that we did before. And Julia, I think I'm pretty sure it's Juliet. And she's like, yeah, and it didn't like fucking do anything. Why are we doing this again? This is stupid. Why are we doing this? And in my head, I was also like, yeah, this is stupid. Why are you doing this? <laughs> like, we really could have cut this. We could have cut this whole situation and maybe just like jumped to like relevant plot. But then we wouldn't have gotten the tension and the angst. And like, this is an angsty YA. So. Well, it's Romeo and Juliet. The yeah. whole thing is angst, right? Is it, though? Is it, well, though? Because I had a shower thought today that I didn't share with you because I wanted to share it with you now. I realized something about myself. Ooh. Okay. Ding. <laughs> Dude, that was a good timing. It was. I realized something about myself. I don't enjoy reading about gangsters. I don't okay. enjoy reading about gangsters. I don't enjoy reading about the mafia. I oh, don't. That was going to be my next question. Do yeah. you think there's something different between like 
gangsters and mafia? No, no, I okay. don't know. Um, the, that whole genre, gang, gangs, mafia, all, all of that. I don't enjoy reading about that because I love seeing that. I love watching that. Okay. Um, you know, like Peaky Blinders is my shit. Like that is what I love. I love watching that. And I like watching politics play out like that and how gangsters deal with politics. And, and well, the whole, well, that's, that is the underlying thing of just the community in general. Like, right, right. And, 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 and the tension that is there, you know, it's usually like darkly lit and it's always like, you know, good guy, bad guy, you know, you know, who's playing who with gangsters. So morally gray. There's a lot of morally gray. I don't know. I love that with, but that's what I like about mafia gang is the morally gray. I'm like, well, I would have done the same thing. And well, and the grittiness, I think, translates really well on screen, um, for something in a visual medium. So for, to take that away and, and be, and I'm only mentioning this. Sorry. I'm like going on about this, but I'm only mentioning this because the politics are front and center here. This right. is a political, like the monsters are very much backseat. This is all political intrigue here. So like a gangster political intrigue drama. I want to see that on screen. I don't want to read that. So that is something I realized about myself. And it has influenced how I see this book. And that is a me thing. That is a not anybody else thing. And it's funny that you say that about the the monsters. Are, like, the way we left these violent delights. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Okay. The bugs were there. They're taking over. This the is going screaming. to be. There the was screaming. screaming. The, the plague-like visual that I had at the end where where was that? There was reference to it. I kind of, I don't even want to say I kind of got it when they were on the train, when like the monster vaccine bug came through. It was just like, to me, I kind of got like very, the singular alien men in black kind of just like, or like Venom takes over a train or something. Like that was the visual that I had. I didn't think of the, how th the first book ended. Um, so, but I do like that we had said in the original episode, once we were able to shift away from realizing this isn't a, this is a Romeo and Juliet retelling in a way, but it's not the forefront of everything. You really could focus on the politics that are very heavily at play here between both gangs, the White Flowers and the, and the Scarlets and the nationalists and the communists and just how everybody is kind of trying to save themselves instead of finding like that camaraderie and in a way you do have um Juliet and Roma do that with the whole like fake dating trope when they're like whether they're at the brothel or like they're on the train that is kind of happening where are the monsters where are the bugs like the i am grateful because <laughs> because the less the less of bug that we have the less description of bug we have and i don't like description of bug that we have so grateful for that but also really wanted this to be like a traditional chinese like dragon water bug magic kind of situation and that wasn't what we got um you know that's fine that's fine so we got a political drama um with uh bio weapons more or less. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Okay. Let's, let's, let's talk about that because in the interview that you brought up from BuzzFeed, the author says that Juliet is her response to growing up reading about Isabel Lightwood 
And um, I think specifically she says Selena. She does. Yeah, Selena. So I think viewing Juliet through that lens is excellent, right? Because she, Juliet, is able to be very powerful and um, very... I'm going to say aggressive, but we know, like, that's not what I'm meaning. Powerful. Powerful. Like, assertive, maybe, is the better word. Um, But also, she loves her dresses. She wears what she wants to wear. She does her hair how she wants to wear. She still can, like, lean into her femininity, and that is not a problem, right? She can still pack her weapons and wear her dress. Like, it is not an issue. Um, So that is where the uh, Isabel-Selena comparison goes. And I, and I, I like that. I like that. Isn't there the line where they're going to go off and do something? And he's like, this is not the time to be wearing your flapper dress. And then he was like, and she, you know, she got a coat to put over it. And he, oh, okay. Like, I get it. But at the same time, you know, the guys are like, really? Do you have time for it? But that that was one of the things that I loved about the first book was where they had that femininity and they still, they had that thigh sheath, you know, they were strapped. And I love that. <laughs> Well, that scene that you're talking about, I want to circle back to um, later on when we get to it, because I really have a a good point to make there. But I really like that scene. So the plot here, Jess, you mentioned that uh, it starts off with the book one ends with screaming. And we all, I think, expected book two to start up with screaming. It doesn't. And it casually mentions that all of that screaming that we heard was just like one guy that got killed. And that was that. We're just like, oh, okay, cool. Do you think that that was just kind of like a, yeah, 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 onto the, you know, onto the next. This thing happened, but I really just want to get into the re- the, the, the rest of the book. Perhaps. I mean, we, we aren't the author, so we don't yeah, know. Yeah, who can okay, say? Right. Who can say? Who can say? Um, I did like the opening of this book, though, in the theater uh, with Juliet is there. You know, she's there with, uh, is it Rosalind that she's there with? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, she's at the theater. She's got to talk to the merchant, but she sees Roma. And then she sees Roma, and, like, we, the reader, sees Roma for, like, the first time. And, like, her heart, you know, all these feelings that she's having. But, like, she says that he is dressed really differently. Uh, you know, he's in the white suit. His hair is combed. He's very, like, polished and that he looks like his dad. And he's really stepped into his role and that knowing what we know right about dimitri about rosalind about everything that's happening knowing what we know it is just it is just interesting that roma is doing all of this right and he's working so hard to like do this but at the same time like dimitri is is doing all of this uh, this monster stuff like dimitri Demetrius doing the monster stuff at the same time that Roma is doing all of this other stuff. It's just like, you know what? Uh, just talk to each other. Just uh. That's what it comes down to because no, I mean, even Marshall, who is obviously not dead. Not dead. Is repeatedly throughout the book. You should really talk to Roma. You know, this could be a little bit easier if you just talk to Roma. Like... We wouldn't have to be like just, or you know, how about how about I I'll, I'll talk to Benedict. Like how about me? Like just one person. Just just let me go. Like word vomit to somebody and communicate because this poor man. So what does he do? Does he he's like trying to get outside of his. You know, obviously he's his death is being faked. He can't be alive. He can't be seen. So what does he do? Oh, I'm gonna go be a vigilante and then because <laughs> I'm going. 
I have cabin fever and she won't let me talk to anybody, but I want to protect the person that I love or at least have like eyes on him. So I know he's okay. You know, this, I, maybe that, that was probably my favorite part of this whole book was Marshall and Benedict, like realizing their feelings and finally being with each other. And then Benedict even saying like, I thought like kissing was whatever. And he, and I didn't realize kissing it, it's because I wasn't kissing Marshall. Like I just, they were my, they were the Magnus and Alex of this duology. I loved them so much. Shadowhunter spoiler, sorry. <laughs> Shadowhunter spoiler. Uh, they were they were really great. Something I really enjoyed. I, I say really enjoyed, but it, that's not what I mean, of course. But Benedict's, <laughs> but Benedict's depiction of grief. Um, he he says that he was just like fine. He was fine. He was absolutely fine. And then one day he was just like in the kitchen. And he just could like he just couldn't, and in he just like broke down because the kitchen was Marshall's place. And then that that moment was just like now I just can't eat food. So what do I do? I don't know. I have to stay alive. I'm gonna take bites of literally everything that I see and swallow it before my stomach can catch up with me, and I like can't keep it down. It, it was just a really. She didn't have to do that. You know, she didn't have to make that like in there. And every little depiction of grief is important because grief is different for everybody. So Benedict having being fine and then breaking down. Really interesting. Also, it is pointed out that Roma um, didn't outwardly express any sort of grief about Marshall. He like internalized everything Mm -hmm. and like he channeled that into becoming like the perfect gangster. Uh, and and being like cold and like a killer and all of that stuff and and that is just something that to point out because Roma has his own like internal issues about like I love Juliet but she's so cold when did she go cold did her heart go cold in New York did it go cold when she killed Marshall can I love the girl without the heart he has that that back and forth and he's finally like no you know you can't you have to you know all of that mm-hmm. and and it's just you know like growth but also just an interesting like little character thing but but that's because of the the Juliet that he has created mm-hmm. in his head because he but then he's also He's also conflicted because when he has that thought, it's after the train. It's after the train where they've they've kissed. It's after where she has her spidey senses, where she knew that the she knew that the monster was coming, and she was like, "We need to get away. We need to go." And he knows. He goes, "There has to be something in her that still cares for me, that still loves me, because she, if she truly hated me and did all the things, then." she wouldn't have saved me. Right, because she wasn't sure that she was immune, but she knew for right. a fact that Roma wasn't. So she shoved him out and closed the, the right. train car. Yeah, and he's like... Oh, that's what it was. That's right. Yeah, that's and right. then he's like, the why did she kiss me back? It's just like, oh my God, you're both so... You're both- <laughs> I don't know. Why did, I don't know. Why did she kiss me back? <laughs> oh, oh, oh. I feel like there was a lot of that in this book. Like, yeah. oh, oh. There, there was, there was, there was also a missed opportunity for a one bed trope, but <gasps> I really, you, you know, but I, the way that part, I really was expecting the one bed trope. I a hundred percent, I was like, here's what we're doing. And I feel like she did that intentionally mm-hmm. because 
she knew everybody was expecting it. And also the wall, you know, because they could hear the bed, each yeah, other. Yeah, the beds were, he's yeah. like, I can hear her moving. She can't sleep. It's can the she tension. Just, like, it's the tension build. It's the tension build. You know, we're all coming off of Bridgerton. Like, it's the tension build. Okay. Yeah. We get it. We appreciate it. <laughs> uh, the... The the fake dating was was interesting there because the, Juliet kept saying she got like a like a feeling every time he said like my wife or whatever. I love a my wife thing. I do. I mean, Carden, Rowan, Reese, Cass. Even when he's like like I love it. I love it. I don't care. Feminism out the window. Mine. You know. Um, but I just didn't. I she she clearly wasn't about it. She's like. You said that to me five years ago. Like, that means nothing. I do like that part about her. She goes, everything, like, all this all this shit that you're saying now, even though it's fake dating, I don't buy it for a second. Like, I, I do appreciate that. She's like, this means nothing to me now. Even if it did. <laughs> yes, gosh. Um, I want to circle back to that, too. Let's talk about the, the sisters. Let's talk about the sisters. Because the sisters have their own thing going on here. And I think it it can get lost kind of in the whole like Romeo and Juliet storyline um but Kathleen and Rosalind have a lot of stuff going on and it's important to acknowledge this so let's start with Rosalind Rosalind I mean Rosalind was the spy that we knew that there was an inner somebody in the inner circle in the scarlet and even Juliet was like, who is it? Like, we're not even allowed. She was clueless. And we later find out in this book that her father knew the whole time that she was she was like, quote unquote, traitor to the Scarlets because it was one of those. If you're not for us, you're against us. And I think that's even mentioned in the first book. Like, this is, mm-hmm. you know, if even even if you didn't side with either party to each party, that means you're against them. So. He, she was never going to know. And he's like, I gave you, uh, I gave you time. You know, I was going to see if you were going to come back around. We're going to, you know, we're, we're going to exile you. And the mother thought she was being dramatic. And then she found out the truth. Like, oh, you know, she really was like basically with Roma and she disowned her too. So that completely went off tangent. I'm sorry. We were talking about Rosalind. So, <laughs> but. So you find out Rosalind is the spy. She's all um, bringing all the Scarlet secrets over to the white to the to the white flowers to Dimitri to Dimitri. To Dimitri. Oh, who's, our, who's like basically our only like new character? Who she's like? Oh my god, I love him! And you find out like, oh, who's this boy that gets you like all fancied up? Yeah, that this whole time, this whole it's alluded to kind of this whole time, and we knew that she was doing some shady shit from the first book. Like, we were, like, maybe it could be her. Like, she is, like, maybe something, whatever. And I think even Juliet, like, had some sort of inner monologue. She's like, well, it can't be as bad. Like, even if he is a white flower, like, it can't be be as as bad as, like, it's not Roma, so it can't be that bad. And it is that bad, really. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is. You know, if anything, it's worse because, you know, you find out through the, the altercation between her and her mother. She's just like, why are we enemies? Like, why are we enemies? Just tell me why. Like, where did this begin? Where did this fester? Like, I just, I want to understand why is there hate? And the mother says, like, well, hate, you know, hate is fueled for reasons of the past and then it's this own beast that takes on its own thing where you forget about the past and it's just 
it's just fed by hate. It's just fed and it grows and you don't know anymore. You just know it's there. Um, and all she just wants to know is like, why? Give me a reason why. And then maybe I'm willing to listen. And that's not the case with, you know, Rosalind's like head over heels for Dimitri. And then she gets caught. And they're like, tell us your information. And she's like, let me go. And Kathleen's like, no, bitch, don't let my sister go. Which, Queen Kathleen, right? We love Celia for that. And I like, I just, I love how pers- like perceptive Celia is throughout the whole thing. I mean, you even hear about the first one because everyone's like, oh, all your friends, the Nationalists, all your friends, the Kathleen. She goes, no, 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 don't confused because i know my shit and you even said that laura just because she knows her shit doesn't mean she's friendly with people she knows how to do her job and that continues into this book um i know my sister do not let her go i know this do like and you see it at the end of this book too which is gonna eventually um it's been confirmed by the author that it is will be a spin we know that there will be a spinoff i don't think it's confirmed too but the way it's written you kind of see that future for celia absolutely i really like Rosalind and I like her storyline here and because we are glued to the scaffolding framework of Romeo and Juliet it is nice to see a character that is not fleshed out very often fleshed out here um you know there's there's this 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 whole this whole thing and it, one of my favorite favorite really quiet scenes in this book is with Rosalind and she is just like reminiscing about how she when she's in the apartment and she's looking for Dimitri and she like breaks down the door and it's not there and it's like covered in like dust or whatever and um, she says like you know there I was dancing around the curtains thinking this would last forever and I put him around my head like a veil and how stupid like he must have thought I was like it just I I really like that moment for her Um, not you know because it's like good or anything it was just one of those sad little moments that gets overlooked in an, a big plot like this that was really beautiful. It's very reminiscent of Sydney Sweeney's scene in Euphoria and mm-hmm. her on the birthday, and she's just like in the balloons and like she's dancing and she's just like internal and crying. Yeah, she's like heartbreaking. Yeah, right. Like and not the like not her going up the stairs, but like that. That, that that emotional scene. I mean, we love Euphoria. So. Yeah, love Euphoria, love Euphoria. So yeah, it's it's really good. And then, um, where does Rosalind end up? Do we know? Am I blanking on this? No, well, I mean, they just kind of let her. They just kind of let, let her, her go. go. Yeah, yeah, but it wasn't. It wasn't immediately. You know, she was initially captured, um, from. Like the white well, then flower. Then they attacked right. too. Then yeah, and then she was whipped. Yeah, and then like made an example of, and then you find out like they revisit her later, and she's just like emotionally and physically drained. And then they try to get like a little bit more information out of her, and she gave it, and they just kind of like let her. They're kind of like okay, well, whatever. Like she just didn't have the energy. And then um, there was uh, the, the at the end. There's like a bomb goes off. Uh, an explosion and um, that the sisters are reunited and um, they are rescued. Um, but I, in my head, like that's where I left it. I wasn't sure if I had forgotten something. If you uh, know and are listening, please tell me. Where's Rosalind? Um, 
And then, of course, she Celia. didn't die. She no, didn't she didn't die. die. Yeah. I, just, I just don't know where she is. And yeah. then, of course, we have Celia, who has a really beautiful journey here of like self discovery and like, um, you know, we her dead name with Kathleen, and like here we are, and it is just a, a really great growth of like I am who I want to be, and like everything is going to be my choice now, and and I love that. I love that so much. That's another. <laughs> To each their own. Everybody had their own experience reading this, as we both did, too. I almost, and I don't know if it's because we've been exposed to the Romeo and Juliet retellings and remakes of it all. I know in the initial episode, I probably mentioned, like, it took me a while to get into this book because I had just gotten off what, you know, I had been dealing with West Side Story. And then I had just watched Romeo and Juliet, the Baz Luhrmann version on the plane. So, I had gone into this with Romeo Juliet. Like that was the only focus that I know knew. So this book focusing on like the second book, focusing on a lot of the side characters and just seeing them developed in a different way was so refreshing that I wound up liking though. Like I said, I loved Marshall and Benedict seeing Celia and her future um, kind of like where it's shaping up to be. Roma having a sister, Elise, and yeah, she was kind of used as a plot device here or there, but I love that she's that little sister who, at the end, I I would have been with her, too. She was like, there wasn't a body. There wasn't a body. I refuse to believe that they're dead because there wasn't a body. Because, same. Because I still think, like, sky and breath spoiler for, like, the next five to ten seconds, I don't think Cormac is dead because there isn't a body. There was an explosion, but there wasn't a body. And, um back to our violent ends it's kind of alluded where she fakes marshall's death and then aroma thinks juliet is dead but she was just faking her death and he goes you already faked your death i didn't think you were going to do it again i just think that that's like foreshadowing to believe that who they who the images were that we see at the end on the boat floating down the river could be still be them and but Elise doesn't want to challenge that hope and confirm that it wasn't either so she's like I'm gonna choose to believe that they're off doing their very own thing kind of like at the end of Anastasia the movie where Anya and Dimitri just go off on the riverboat well it's also um <laughs> like the end of Inception because you're just like well I don't know and it's also like the end of Dark Knight Rises where it's like well maybe so <laughs> you know that's good uh, you're you're talking about the sister. Let, let's talk about her because she is a plot device. She kind of does move things along. Uh, whenever anything is kind of like, mm, I don't know how we're going to get from here <laughs> to here. It's like, oh, well, um, Elisa will do it. So it's like, okay, fine. So she, you know, does the spying. She finds out, you know, and I do like in the very beginning where she's up in the rafters and she's like, ooh, this is a tight fit. What is going on? I used to be able to be so good at this. And she's like, shit. I'm 13. I can swear now. Shit. It, just, it, was, it was just real sweet. I just liked it a lot. Um, and I liked how, like, she was realistically, like, a 13-year-old. She was, like, scared but kind of sassy but, like, on the shit, too, and observant and um, aware enough about all of the situations to not be the annoying little sister. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just a credit to the author for just not playing into that trope because everybody hates that trope. Well, <sighs> even with the... Uh, when you find, again, in the epilogue, where you find, where, like, the whole um, 
the scandal was finding Roma and Juliet's marriage certificate. Mm-hmm. That I was like, wait, it was official? But she was just kind of being the little sister. Being you know, nosy. Kind of, yeah, being nosy. And she's yeah. like, I'm going to forge this shit, mm-hmm. make it a whole thing. And now they're like the dramatics and like ne- they were married and now they're not. Like, I just kind of liked that too. Well, and you bring that up. That is the reason why the blood feud like dissipates because uh, the people see that uh, they were married and the heirs didn't care about the blood feud. So why should anybody else? Uh, and then, of course, they can't find Roma's dad, too. That helps. And that Juliet's dad joined with the nationalists. That's another thing. Uh, but that existence of a marriage certificate is the reason why everything kind of ends up the way that everybody kind of wanted it. Kind of Romeo and Juliet, Roma and Juliet wanted it <laughs> um, without the gangs, you know, no gangs uh, is because of her. So, yeah, she's a great little plot device. We like her a lot. She's we real like sweet. Her. I like yeah, I like it. And it was a nice little addition mm-hmm. to I don't want to say overdone because I don't feel like it's overdone. It's just it's a story that everybody knows very well. And also, it was nice to have a, a female inserted into um, Roma and Benedict and, you know, the boys into the right. boys club. It was nice to have a girl in there. That, I like that. Uh, so we have to talk about her being kidnapped because that leads us to the duel. And the duel is interesting because it is revealing and it's also a little bit surprising. And, um, you brought up before that, um, Juliet's dad knows all about this. And I enjoy knowing that because it is realistic to me that a gang leader boss man would have spies on his daughter. And it is beyond me that she never thought of that. So I I thought that's part of the whole, I thought that was like a trope and not even like a trope, like in real life you have, you, you hear about people like just dignitaries have people on their kids all the time. So why wouldn't you think a mafia, somebody who's the head of the mafia, how would you not think somebody's telling you at all times? Yeah, like you think, like, you know, you have like your guys that like follow you, but you have to think like your dad has his own guys that you don't know about on your, that was just me. So, so I'm bringing all of this to say that it bothered me that Juliet went about her life not living under the assumption that like everybody knew that she did this. Like she wasn't really making contingency plans about like, okay, the shit is going to hit the fan. It's going to hit the fan fast. She just kind of like, well, I see. I can't even say because you know, when you, if it was when, and we commented this on the first one, you, they're not 15. They're not 16. They're not being sneaky, sneaky. Oh, I know everything. I'm, I'm so much smarter than everybody. I'm going to pull one over on them. No, that's not the case. They're in their, they're, they're 19, 20. They're older. So that, that just, you can't try to act like you are. How do you, how do you wrap your head around the fact that you think that nobody's telling you, not just your own guys? How many situations have you been in? Where you've been in the same room with your enemies this entire time. He wore a bad wig to the fucking jo- the ball in book one. Like, you don't think anybody knew? And the dad this whole time was like, I kept giving you another time. I Time and time again. I was waiting to see. I was waiting to see. So this duel. So Tyler kidnaps Elisa. 
and has three days. Okay, whatever. So Russian duel rules being what they are. Juliet realizes that Roma is fucked. So Juliet. First shot. She's. Yeah. 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 So Juliet takes matters into her own hands and kills her cousin, Tyler. It's like right in the chest, I think, right? Like, like It was one shot. Yeah. Yeah. One shot. Oh, yeah. Because her dad makes it a point to say one shot. Yeah. Uh, so Juliet kills him in in the duel, and it in it's a big it's a big reveal because a lot is being said without being said because no one fucking talks. Um, Roma realizes through this act that Juliet still loves him, right? And like all the pieces click together, and then like Marshall and Benedict are like, "Hey, we want to kill them too!" Like, <laughs> and and all of this to lead us to uh the marriage right like yeah like their their vows to each other yes their vows well, yeah. to each other uh with the string i thought it was really sweet right like yeah, i thought it was sweet well she was even you know i do like the part where she's kind of like wait why aren't you upset about upset with me and he's saying like he's saying like everything clicked together you wouldn't have done these circumstances if it wasn't because of the circumstances and she goes, but what about your mom? He goes, you, you didn't do that. I'm, I know you. Yeah. Probably. I don't know how you found out where the hell she lived, but you clearly said something cause you were pissed. Cause I know you and it happened. Like that's not on you. And I can't fault you for that. You know? And that, that's always nice where you're like, you know, flaws and awe. That's the whole enemies to lovers that like you, you love me at my worst, you know? Uh, you bring up em- enemies to lovers. I did really enjoy the beginning of this, uh, where they were very much enemies to lovers, and Roma was like pulling his pulling his shots, but like barely. Um, I like the dagger eyes. Yeah, like, yeah. He, she's like looking over, and he's just like, yeah. <laughs> or the the confrontation in the stairwell in the beginning, where he just like pushes his neck up into the knife. He's just like, do it, just do it right now. Like, and and he had shot her like like centimeters, like three shots from her head, and he never mm-hmm. misses. Like, I did enjoy that tension, just because I enjoy enemies to lovers, and and they weren't really enemies to lovers right. in the first one. They were friends to lovers. So the right. the, the enemies to friends lovers. Friends to enemies. To, lo- to yeah. lovers to enemies. To, yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> but, I, but I enjoy like Roma really kind of just being upset about it and, and really kind of struggling with it and and pulling his shots but like coming really close. I, I don't know. I, I just enjoy like dramatics of men. And I like that Juliet doesn't fault him for that because she knows your your feelings and your emotions. Everything is valid because this is your perception of me right now. Why wouldn't those be why you're so upset? Like everything is justified. And she's like, rightfully so. How how can I be? How can I be mad at him? He should be mad at me. He should be angry at me. Which makes the ver- the marriage vows, I think, that much sweeter with the string, too. And it's just, you know, you know, I'll go where you go. It's basically just like, I go where you go. And yeah. it, it is. And they, they didn't want to do till death. Door. He's like, even my, like, my soul will always. Yeah. I thought that was sweet, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because it, it was just like a constant kind of um, turning away from the traditional ending of Romeo and Juliet. It's like you go up to the ledge, but it's like you take it back a little bit. And I, I did like that. It's like, we're not going to go like word for word for everything. I, I did enjoy that. 
But talking about word for word, there are some like little dabbles of the original dialogue in here, which was also appreciated too. Yeah, it is. It and I'm gonna say it's like a little Easter egg for for like the the fans and stuff. But it really is. If you're familiar enough with it, then you're just like, oh. Huh. And it's and it just feels so naturally woven into the story where it doesn't feel it doesn't it just doesn't feel forced. It doesn't feel like up oh, there. There it is. There's the there's the thing, even though they said the thing, which we love. But it was just so it was beautifully done. And that's obviously a credit to the author. Absolutely. Yeah. Very much a credit to the author. Uh, the end of this book. The end of this book. The last like back half. Not even the back half. The last like quarter of this book. Um, I really enjoyed the whole, like, confrontation, like, Roma and Juliet being torn apart from each other, like, Roma's screaming, like, I love you, I love like, over, like, the dramatics of that, like, really ticked all the boxes for me. I liked that, that whole separation. Uh, I, the public, the, okay, so the whole storyline with Marshall and, of course, like, uh, you know, his dad um, is is the, the general, you know, and that tracks in, in you know, Romeo and Juliet, too. Uh, but that whole storyline where he's he's with the, the nationalist and, and, and he's, like, working and, and everything, and Marshall's, like, kind of undercover trying to, like, get in with everything and learn what's going on. And, you know, he finds out about the kill order that's going out for the white flowers because the Scarlets have joined the Nationalists and the communists are rising. All of the political stuff that's happening, right? I am just confused about why I said self-aware. Juliet says it, too. Juliet was like, where did they get, like, whipping posts? And that was my thought, too. I was like, wait, really? This is what we're doing? It, it was just one of those really weird details that when Juliet said it, it was very gratifying because I was like, yeah, me too, Juliet. What the fuck is this about? Like things pop out of nowhere. You're like, wait, wait a second. What what year is that? Yeah, I was like, oh, OK, fine. Sure. Uh, public ex- execution, though, for everybody. I don't know. Weird, Dimitri, but sure. Dimitri is the vil- he's the new like. He's the villain. Dexter? Yeah. Because, yeah. like, the first one was Dexter, and now Dimitri just kind of continues it. Yeah. But Dimitri, so what did Dimitri do? Dimitri found the five bugs in the ethanol, right? Right, right. Yeah. And then he gave them to his guys, and then, and, the- and like, they did, like, stuff in the labs and stuff so that the, 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 the insects can come back into them too. So like they go and kill people and then they come back. So it's, it's like a, they say it's a contained madness. It's not a contagious madness because the, the insects go back. And so they find out through all of the, the questioning that everything that happens. Oh my gosh. Yeah. All of that happens that, um, the, the bugs were in, found in ethanol. So alcohol is how they are activated. So, but they couldn't find alcohol because of all the brothels. Like the time of day, they like connected everything. So they were like, gasoline in the car. Yeah. So, they, so all of the, the gasoline that they had found in the, that Benedict and Juliet had found in the firehouse. They used all of that plus the very flammable vaccines to blow everything up after Benedict had released all of the monsters. Yes. Yes. That is what yes. that is what happened. That is what happened. And Roma and Juliet were going to run away. And that is the other that is the like thing that was happening. Right. They were going to run away. They got caught 
And then they That's yeah, and that's that's where they got like split yeah. and she didn't she was like he could be as good as dead now. Okay, that's yeah. yeah. So um I mentioned earlier that this is the scene that I wanted to come back to. And the scene this is that part. So you mentioned, Jess, that Juliet specifically went and changed her dress. So like after she got separated from Roma and she she was with like Benedict and, and Benedict broke her out of her room after the confrontation with her mother and her father. Benedict, yeah, did she black out? Because I feel like the way she was brought back in that scene, she was like, wait, how did I how did I get here? Or did I they just like knock know. her out? I think they just yeah, I think they just knocked her out. Um, but she changes her dress, right? She changes her dress and puts a coat on over it because Julia is one of those really fantastic characters that uses fashion as a weapon and as a tool. So when she, Juliet, walks up to Dimitri with Roma and Marshall and um, Elisa all tied to the post, she sheds her coat and she's just in her flapper dress so that she has instant and like immediate recognition so that she can use all of that to herself while Benedict like goes and does like his plan. And I just really love that because I love using fashion as a tool. I, I love using fashion as a weapon. But I also love, like, the self-awareness of, like, your self-identity. Like, I am a symbol. Like, dress like this. I am a symbol. This is what I represent. And I'm going to use it in this situation. I love shit like that. So I was very, very pleased. It's the payoff of, you see it from the, I mean, it's on the paper in the first book, too, which goes into the whole, this is, like, one long manuscript, um, where she was, like, when nobody is recognizing her. When she's out of her garb. Yeah. And she even said like she couldn't do the the finger waves because she didn't have the pomade. And then because her hair was just like so she had to use the dress. It's just it's 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 so good. It's so good. It's smart. It it's is. The, it's the smart and the wits that people do not give women enough credit for. And again, Euphoria reference that Maddie does through the like two seasons that we've seen so far. Yes. Oh, my gosh. She absolutely does. Absolutely does. Okay. Dimitri doesn't give a fuck about the communists. This is this the, this is the part of the story that really like Dimitri uses all of these working people, and then the monsters the monsters are released, and Dimitri of course is immune, and so is Roma and Juliet, and all of these people are like climbing towards Dimitri, like begging for him to help him, them because he has a vaccine, and he just like kicks them off of him and shoots them, and it's just like. <sighs> so awful like the visual of that right and the symbolism of that too like these people you know you're gonna come and help the working man because and again as we said like the plot kind of um repeats itself Juliet does say I think in this scene that like that was Dimitri's plan the whole time he was gonna do the exact same thing that the Larkspur did yeah she did say that yeah yeah. and she was like oh he's gonna he's gonna sell the vaccine he's gonna you know whatever i was just like he's only been looking out for number one the whole time it was never about anybody else and it was the same thing from the first book too i mean it's it's the same exact thing why are we acting surprised yeah and i think it's just kind of um you know it, it bothers me just because like i because we read them back to back and it is like just back and back but uh, if you don't learn from history, it repeats itself. So that, you know, oh, obviously, there you, go. you know, then of course. Then... Yeah. 
Of course. And I did like how the the politics did kind of change in this book. The foreigners kind of took a step back here and it was more of an internal struggle between like the nationalists and the communists plus the gangs. Uh, so it was more of an internal struggle for like the heart and soul of Shanghai, right? Because that that's more what it was. Because at the end of this, Benedict and Marshall leave, right? They go mm. to Moscow. So they're gone. Um, so it's just Eliza that is still there. And even Roma has commented that in the in this book, where when um, Benedict is saying how how he care he you know it took Marshall dying, and I use air quotes for him to realize how much he loved him and cared about him. And Roma was like, "Oh, you might want to keep that between us, not on the what because." I care about you. I don't want anything to happen to you. It's nothing. It's not that I don't. I'd love for you to be together. Like, let's not be openly about that because of the time that they were in. Yeah. And I think Marshall even says, like, he, he his dad came back to get him uh, to be the heir because now, like, the movement is coming and he's going to be at the forefront of it. He needs a legacy. And he's like, you know, I wonder how much of my past my dad will overlook. Will he overlook my gangsters or will it be my flirting with boys? Mm-hmm. It's just like, oh. But then it didn't matter. I love, I love them so much. They are they are so great. They are so great. Um, of course, this book ends with a big explosion. The gangs disintegrating. The boys leaving, and um, Eliza or Elisa going to burn the money for the holiday to remember. Right, you're remembering remembering loved ones. The holiday. She did it in the in the city. In the place where Roma wanted to be and not in the city because she didn't want to, like, deal with it. Do you... This is unrelated to the question, but I'm, like, thinking of the burning and everything. And it goes back to the beginning of this episode and your shower thoughts. Would you like to see this visually? Yeah, definitely. Because I feel like... It doesn't need to be two books. It doesn't even need to be a series. It could be one movie. I think it could be a movie. Uh, Yeah. Because a lot of the description... A lot of what makes this book beautiful on paper, you, you like you can take out those descriptors because it's visually represented. And also, like Shanghai is to this story the way that New York is to Sex in the City. So it is its own character. So I feel like a visual medium is the perfect way to show this this uh, this character that is very vital to everything that is happening right the city is key it's not just like the setting it is like an active kind of participant going on like the vibe of the city impacts everybody else so it's 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 pretty great that way uh so yeah yeah i feel like it'll you know maybe it will get its its rights I mean, give it a couple of years because we're still in conversations of vaccines. It, it is really funny. It's just very t- like timely, just how everything kind of happened with, um, you know, events in the world and how this book got published. And I think the author even said it was just like, well, shit, like, you know, <laughs> whoops, it is what it is. It's going out. <laughs> like, what are we going to do? Like, so I, I did really appreciate this. Um, Jess, what are your like thoughts on this book? I'm more excited about the third one and i think it's because of the side characters i think you know and, and again it's not because i don't like this book this be- the, the author did a wonderful job with the descriptions it's beautiful um 
I'm just already so familiar with this. I just go back to I'm familiar with the story. So seeing these characters that we're we're not so much um, aware of, tapping into them, I'm excited for. Um, it's the same thing kind of like with the Star Wars franchise. You have all these, you, you have these smaller shows happening for characters that we, we don't know a lot about. So it gives, there's a lot of creative freedom there. Absolutely. There is a lot of creative freedom there. Yeah, you're right. Now that you're saying that, you're making me think like, yeah, you're right. Sometimes being familiar with something is a boon and sometimes it's, it's kind of a trudge. And maybe, like, for you in this instance, it, it was more of a trudge. Yeah. Yeah. That, that makes complete and total sense. And that's, like, absolutely valid and fair. For me, talking it out, I like this book. Talking it out and, like, thinking about it, it's like, yeah, I really like this book. I understand what's going on. Um, I see the plots. I get the metaphors. I, you know, I, I understand it. Again, I just kind of fall back to my own personal bullshit of I, like, to see gangster politics on screen. So agreeing with you, Jess, the next book, which isn't about the gangs, could potentially be absolutely my shit because I won't have that, the double holdup of a Romeo and Juliet backbone plus gangsters. Like both of those obstacles for me will be removed. So I will be able to go into that um, kind of like fresh and open. And I am excited about that. I'm so like, and, and we said it earlier in this episode too, but like Celia is, she's identifying herself. She's establishing herself, who she is as a person. Um, the, I mean, she already had this role within the Scarlets where she's transitioning into, um, in a different professional capacity with the nationalists, I think. I think she's going to flourish because she's always been on her shit. I, I, you know, maybe we'll see, you know, who knows if it's going to be this dual POV while this is happening over here with Celia. This is also happening over here with Benedict and Marshall. And Elise is still around because in the epilogue, you have Celia, like, you know, come on, Elise, Elisa, like, come on, let's, let's go do, you know, I get that you're like focusing on the river and who might or might not be your brother and sister-in-law but like let's let's go do this so there's character you know and that could be like a flash forward you know we can for all we know it could jump in time and now she's not 13 anymore she's 16 17 18 and rising up with whatever celia has going on because she's clearly taking her under her wing at this point it's, it's very exciting i'm stoked about that book very stoked about that book uh very happy this book exists i am sure that the people that love this book absolutely love this book, and I love that for them. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the whole point of reading is finding, you know, finding the things that you love and keeping it close and protecting it and understanding and being respectful that just because others might not love and ingrain it as much as you do, there's still a respect. And that, I think that's the biggest thing. I think that's the biggest thing with, like, the community in any community in general, is the respect factor. Absolutely. Very well said. So on that note, um, please feel free to follow us on Instagram. We're on Akafe Podcast, and we're also both on TikTok, Akafe Laura and Akafe Jessica. Thanks for joining us. And um, feel free to reach out. Feel free to give us a five-star rating if you'd like on whatever listening platforms you are um, listening to us. And we appreciate you as always. Thank you so much for listening. Bye.